Hello and welcome to Automators, the podcast where we talk about making your technology do all of the hard grunt work for you. My name is Rosemary Orchard, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, David Sparks. Hey, David, how are you today? I'm great, Rose. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you and our guest today. Yes, and our guest is the one, the only, the unicorn, Kathy Campbell. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. All right, quick question before we get started. Are you wearing your headphones with the unicorn horn? Duh, of course. Okay. They are Good. my, uh, when I wear headphones at my computer, they are, of course, my unicorn headphones because that is the only way to work. Okay, I need a, a picture of these unicorn headphones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will send them over. They are the Brookstone cat ear headphones that I have placed a unicorn horn on top. Good for you. Well, the reason for this, uh, for people who, who don't know, Kathy, about your background, is you are the magical unicorn sidekick. So would you like to give people a little summary of who you are and why you're a unicorn, aside from obviously having a unicorn horn on your headphones. <laughs> Absolutely. So I am the unicorn sidekick, which means that I love to help uh, companies and businesses kind of get their stuff together. So it's a little bit more than just like a virtual assistant. Um, I call myself an online business manager, um, but it's really more customized than that. I help businesses with what they need, um, whether that's discovering what help they need, taking things off of their plate, helping kind of guide their plans and their purpose, and basically just kind of be that support person to let them be more successful with what they're doing uh, so they can concentrate on what they love or are really passionate about and not have to worry about the little things. That is an excellent summary. But of course, you, you don't just do unicorn things. You're also a co-host of Roboism here on Relay FM with Alex Cox, uh, which is, is a great podcast. True. So uh, <laughs> people haven't listened to that one. And uh, after today's show, you think, oh, my God, I need more Kathy in my life. That's just one of the many ways you can get it. Well, and, and I know that your, you know, your mascot is the unicorn and you've got a, you know, you're even dressed up in the suit on the website. But I honestly think that you could also use a bull terrier as your mascot because <laughs> the uh, the times I've interacted with Kathy is when she's working on behalf of one of her clients and she is like a bull terrier. She gets her teeth into something and she doesn't let go until it's done right. And I, I really appreciate that about you, Kathy. Oh, thank you so much. That's so such a kind way to say that I'm really like needy and bossy. Oh, that's not um, that's not it at all. You you just <laughs> it you, is very anyway. much the good kind of bossy. Um, so for people who, who remember uh, the leaf incident at WWDC where I ended up breaking my ankle, Kathy is one of the wonderful people who really looked after me all week. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, she's the good kind of bossy, making sure that I wasn't overdoing things on what I thought was a sprained ankle. We both thought it was a sprained ankle. And then I got home and I found out it was a very broken ankle. Um, but yeah. I hadn't damaged it further. And that is mostly down to Kathy and her uh, wonderful unicorn stubbornness of not letting me overdo things. Well, and like I told you so many times, um, it was really a pure joy for me as well um, to have a purpose because uh, 
I this it was the first WWDC I'd ever been to. Um, I really had no idea what I was doing with my time, effort, and energy. And so getting to have a goal and a purpose and help Rose made my anxiety uh, calmed down a lot. And so um, really, and this is something I've uh, discovered with my therapist, <laughs> is that my need to help people um, is a deep, innate trait. And I just really lucked out in that I got to make my business do that. It makes everything so much easier for me because really in the very base part of my soul, I want to help everybody um, and I can't do that. So I do what I can to help the people that I can. Well, I think that's an excellent approach. And I'm sure that by listening to today's podcast, a lot of people are going to be helped by some of the the magic that you've got lined up for us. Because <laughs> I, I've had a sneak peek and I, I'm, I may have pre-interrogated Kathy people. It was okay. It was good interrogation, not bad interrogation. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I know that there's plenty of magic in the pipeline, if you will. And the reason really, Kathy, I like having you on the show today is because you are not a programmer. You know, you're not coming on the show as someone who writes software for a living, but someone who spends your time helping people and helping companies, especially, you know, all these small company clients of yours, you know, get to the next level. And you are always on so on top of it. And I know there's a lot of automation in there that doesn't really involve writing Perl code. And I think that's could be really helpful to a lot of our listeners today. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for letting me be a part of this because I will admit I was very concerned because I don't know what Perl code is. Um, <laughs> and so I was worried that uh, you would be able to find anything enjoyable to talk about with me. So I'm very happy that oh. I'm here. I'll tell you a secret. I don't really know what it is either. <laughs> I, I, I do know Pearl, and I, it's not something we're going to talk about on the show because uh, there's plenty of regular expressions involved there. And uh, let's just say that there there are many things we can communicate through a podcast. Regular expressions are best done, uh, well, regex101.com, uh, and then just have at it, uh, I think is the best way to, uh, <laughs> to talk about that. We've, we've talked about it before on the surface level. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I think that that's plenty for the time being. But but my point <laughs> is, there's a lot of people, Kathy, that want to automate that that don't have very particularized um, technical knowledge about programming their computers. And and I do think that you're you're doing a lot of automation, whether you acknowledge it or not. And I think that can be of help. So I I guess we should just get started. Um, wh what platforms are you working on, Kathy? Yeah, the majority of my time is on Mac OS. Um, I have uh, an iMac Pro running Big Sur, um, and that's where I get a lot of my work done, partially because my iPad, um, I don't know, committed suicide. It, it died, um, but only sometimes, like, the screen will just turn off and nobody knows what's wrong. Um, but, uh, so we're recording this show on May 17th. And as of Friday, my new iPad will be here. And I'm very excited to be able to be a little bit more transient with my work days, especially since hammock weather is coming. Um, and that makes me very happy. Uh, but most of my work uh, is on macOS. 
And I think that that, you know, is, uh, I'm guessing at least some of that is because of the kind of work that you're doing. You know, some things translate very well to an iPad in a hammock lifestyle and some things maybe don't translate so well to an iPad in a hammock lifestyle. So, you know, what? how do you decide what work you do on what platform or is it just what you feel like you're in the mood to do or do you have specific applications that you need that are only available on one or the other? Yeah, there's a lot of random things that I do that do um, work uh, pretty much only on uh, the computer, but a lot of times it's a like it's a mental statement. It's a mental setup in that when I'm working, I'm working. This is my work mode. I sit in my office. I'm in my chair. I'm at my computer and I'm working. And it lets me kind of focus in that mental status. But also I don't do like a lot of random writing. I don't do a, a ton of stuff that isn't compartmentalized. So um, a lot of my client work, I try and keep it separated out. So one of my main uh, clients, I only work in Google Chrome for them. So, and that's a specific um, hourly project um, based uh, like payment structure. And so when I'm in Chrome, I'm working with this client in particular. Um, And then I have specific windows and styles of windows for other clients. Um, and there's some, uh, some clients where I shut everything else down and I'm only working on this one project. And because of that, it's yes, the iPad is very good at being able to focus on only one thing, but my brain still is like, Oh, I'm on an iPad, which means I'm watching Netflix or I'm playing with X, Y, Z. Uh, so it's, it helps my mental brain for the separation of work and play to do my work on the computer and then I play on the iPad. Yeah, I think setting context with technology is a is a great idea. I, I'm gonna be really curious to see once you get that new iPad, because they are like screamers in terms of speed. You you may yeah. find you can do some of your work on it too. But uh, I guess we'll have to check back on that once you get it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the goal. That's kind of why I I actually did go for the 12.9. Um I had been the smaller size for since the first iPad Pro. Um that was my size cuz it's like I don't need anything bigger. Um I have a laptop. Uh obviously I don't use it a whole lot because it's my travel device and <laughs> haven't been traveling a whole lot. Um but it I, I'm very interested to see if I will be able to have the iPad be my travel device for the future when I am able to travel again at some point. Um, and so I, I'm looking forward to seeing what I will be able to do because of that whole reason that I have the keyboard and a, a bigger sleeve to stick it in to be able to move around with. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the future brings. Yeah, that was one of my lessons of the pandemic was that I really liked the big iPad. You know, I had, I was fortunate to have both of them. I had a, a used one and I, um, during the dependent pandemic, I just never used the smaller one so much so that I ended up giving it to my daughter when she went off to start grad school. <laughs> I am also upgrading to the larger iPads. So we're going to be three 12.9 inch iPads in a row there. I am Woo! very disappointed that they are not doing pretty colors. 
um, on, on this. It, it's just such a shame. Um, oh. I, so I've I've gone with silver um, because, you know, it, it's fine. Um, and I'm going to get a black case because even though I'm sure I could ask you very nicely for a unicorn sticker um, and, and <laughs> we could probably manage to sort something out there, uh, I don't trust myself with a white iPad case um, and especially keyboard where I'm typing on it all the time. I actually have an Apple um, Magic keyboard here in front of me at the moment. Um just been trying it out while podcasting because I already had it and I was not using it. And I realized it's quite quiet. Um, and oh my gosh, I have to clean this thing like every single day because it just looks grubby. And I swear I'm washing my hands regularly. I guess it's just my hand cream. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, an interesting trial um, that, that we have uh, with the uh, the iPad Pro, the lack of pretty colors. But uh, I'm sure you'll be able to jazz yours up. Uh, I, I Something tells me I'll make it work. Yeah. I, I ordered the silver one as well with the white keyboard, but I just haven't had the guts to tell Stephen Hackett yet because I know he's going to give me <laughs> such a hard time. Well, the good news is, is uh, Kathy mentioned when we we're recording uh, earlier, um, we we are recording this a little bit in advance. I'm, I'm starting a new jobby job uh, just um, before uh, this show airs. And so I wanted to make sure that we've got a little bit of buffer room just in case life goes completely crazy for me. Um, so by the time this, this podcast airs, hopefully all three of us will actually have our iPad Pro in hand and david will have broken the news to steven already so you won't be in too much trouble there sparky <laughs> the, um well i don't know i mean that guy he's a rough guy i don't want to make him mad at me yeah <laughs> it's true it's true we can call ourselves the lunch tray club the the big there. ipad owners <laughs> done <laughs> well i mean they're, they're they're useful for a lot more than that um and uh kathy i know as well as um you know the the various different clients you work for, you you do more than that. Um, so obviously, you know, we mentioned your your podcasting, um, and you don't just host podcasts here. You also host podcasts over on the Incomparable Network, which are more great podcasts that people should be checking out. Um, but you do things besides that. Uh, I mean, you have a family; uh, they exist, so you also have to do <laughs> things for them. Um, yes. And uh, you you also are a photographer, um, and uh, you you have cameras, and and you do stuff with that. Um, you know, how how do you find um, integrating all of that? Do you have like a special setup to make sure that you can do all of these different things? Do you have 80,000 hats on the wall and you literally put on the unicorn horns when you're being a unicorn and the, the camera hat when you're being a photographer? <laughs> uh, I did actually used to have a spreadsheet tiara um, that I would wear when I was working in uh, spreadsheets uh because it, it was way more fun. Um, but no, I don't, don't have a camera hat. Um, my, so I've been a photographer for 13 years now. Um, uh, a professionally paid one for about 11 or 12. Um, and my goal with photography is to get a lot of it correct and write in camera. So I don't have to do a lot of editing outside of it. Um, and over the past, you know, decade plus, I have my process down pretty quickly. Um, now the biggest, the biggest thing that I photograph is, uh, my daughter's dance studio. I have a great deal with them in that I, uh, do the photography and videography for them, as well as a variety of other things uh, in exchange for um, my kid to dance there, which I think I clearly have the better deal um, because obvious dancing all the time. But 
that being said, um, I will take upwards of for any competitions that we're at. Um, I'm taking a lot of action shots. I'm taking between two and four thousand photos um, for each competition. I don't have the energy in my life to sit and touch every one of them to make them quote unquote perfect. Um, so I use a lot of automation to get them to be a, a level and quality that allows them to be sent out and get done within 24 hours. So they're not sitting on my hard drive. Oh, I'll get to them later. I like to get in, get them done, send them out, and then check it off my list. That is something you do appear to be very good at doing, checking things off your list. Whenever you know I send you something, you get back to me incredibly quickly. Um, and and that's always a fun thing, you know, if whether or not I'm sending, you know, cute cat pictures or uh, something, you know, more important, like, hey, can can you come on automators? You you are very <laughs> much on top of things, it seems. So I am I'm fascinated uh, as we dive into the show to uh, to discover all of the secrets and the magic behind this that makes it work. Uh, I wish I wish my my quick communication was something magical. It's more so based in anxiety and that I'm always constantly afraid of forgetting or missing something. And so uh, I like to just reply back quickly um, so that I know it's done and taken care of and I don't accidentally mark something red that then has to be remembered. Um, And so it's easier for me to say, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And then go back to whatever I was doing. So um, that that mental adjustment and hopping around. I know, you know, anyone that works in the productivity space has heard of deep work and being able to sit and focus. And that is not how my brain works. That's not how I am really able to get through life uh, for good or bad. The Anxiety that exists around it allows me to be really on top of things for my clients. Um, so if I don't reply to your text right away, I'm, I might be dead. Or sleep. That that does or occasionally sleep. happen. Sleep yes. Happens. Yes. It kind of reminds me of a statement you made earlier that you want to capture the image in the camera. You don't want to work on it later. Um, the same thing comes with communications. Like if you don't deal with communications immediately, you need a process to manage when you respond to it and how to deal with it. So it's it's a variation of a theme for you, really. Yes, yes, it's very true. Um, one could say that I'm highly efficient, but really I'm just lazy. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition from work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste, and better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of all those repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used on any platform, any app, and any way you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. I use Text Expander for all sorts of things, from tiny little snippets here and there, swapping that colon for a semicolon in the wrong place, and even 
sometimes just good old-fashioned replacing my name when I inevitably accidentally capitalise the second letter. It boosts my productivity by eliminating my concerns. And as a listener of Automators, you can get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to TextExpander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, Kathy, you say lazy, I say smart. So tell <laughs> us tell us about your, your photography magic that you've got going on here, because this is something I definitely struggled with back when I had a DSLR. I don't have one anymore because I realized it was generating a lot of work and then I was feeling bad about not doing stuff. And mm. so I decided that I was just going to eliminate that from my life. But clearly, you know, I can do that because for me, that's a hobby. If you're being paid to take pictures or you're you're doing you're taking pictures in exchange for your daughter getting dance lessons or whatever it is, um, then, you know, you can't just say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. So how do you, you know, combat this being lazy, which I personally think is the wrong way to frame it. I think you're being incredibly <laughs> smart with uh, your desire to not actually uh, have to spend time touching up every single individual photo. Yeah, so. I, I'm really excited to walk through kind of my process for this, uh, mainly so you can tell me how to do it better. Um, when it comes to automation, I am not extremely, I don't like to just sit and tinker with things. Um, I highly recommend episode 38 of Roboism, where I kind of talk uh, about my discovery of the stream deck and keyboard maestro and learning how to do things, mainly because it gave away my secret in that I utilized friends like Rose uh, to do the things for me um, and and figure out how to make them work uh, because I am not a tinkerer. I don't like to tinker or create things from scratch or even really think, hmm, how could I make this do work for me? So much as this is something that I'm doing often, so I will Google something and this is how it's done. So then I'll just put it into work. So I'm really looking forward to being able to be told how to do this better. So feel free to send any suggestions to me. Uh, but so uh, after I spend multiple hours taking photos for uh, my the dancers, I get home. And I load up the card and then I transfer all of the images over to, I have a, a folder in my finder, uh, in my drive, that's called working sessions. Um, and this is where any images that I need to work on live. I don't transfer them into the uh, like stable backup until uh, after I've submitted the images and everything looks great. So in the working sessions, I clearly name the folder, uh, usually with very specific things, because I do go back a lot of times to find uh, images for particular events, um, because somebody is like looking for whatever. So after I've transferred the files off of the card, I take the card and I uh, put it into you know, the little case because I cycle through my SD card so that they don't get overworked. So there's less chance for them to have issues in the future. Um, and then I load those images up into Lightroom. 
Um, Lightroom is where I do a lot of the very basic processing. So um, because the dancers are moving really fast uh, and I want to make sure I have a crisp, like crisp, clean image, I have to have the shutter um, really fast, which means a lot of times it's really dark. So I have to go in and make sure everything's lightened up and brighter. But because I have the settings the same, I fix one and then I sync the settings across everything. Uh, This means that I don't have to go in and make minor adjustments unless for some reason there is lighting changes. Um, And then... I go through and I very quickly will pick the images that I want. Um, I don't do anything with the images that are not useful to me um, because if they're not useful, I don't need them. So um, in Lightroom, the letter P puts a, a flag on the image. So I am sitting here and I'm just going with my gut. I'm not sitting and saying, mm, well, this I guess is better than the other one. Like, boom, like it or not, move on. So it will usually take me maybe 20 to 30 minutes to review about 2,000 images. So Kathy, as you go through these pictures, are you looking at them as as thumbnails or full screen? You know, how are you making those decisions? Yeah, I look at it full screen for the very specific um image that I'm looking at. I don't care what else is around it. I'm looking to see if it's an image that is worthwhile. Like, is it um, an actual good pose? Are people's faces showing? Is it a random in-between pose? And is it in focus? And if the answer is yes to the good parts, I will flag it as a keep and move on. Um, I usually am making that decision in a split second. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to debate, oh, well, maybe this one's better. It doesn't matter. Um, Everything is going to be like, there's so many choices for the viewer. These are images that the parents uh, of the dancers will look at or the dancers themselves, especially like for the high school team. But I don't need to find just the award-winning photos um, because something that I might never use for any sort of promotional or advertising quality will be something that will be someone's favorite image because their child was doing something cool. Um, And so I, I keep it very minimal of, hey, is it in focus? Is it a dynamic ish image. Yes. Cool. Move on. Um, Mm -hmm. this allows me to just process through it. I'm not overthinking it. I usually will have something running on Netflix or YouTube or whatever in the other screen as I'm sitting here and just going through, get it done and move on. Well, yeah, you said, you know, you're, you're looking at like 20 to 30 minutes for a couple of thousand images here that, you know, that's something where I'm guessing, You've probably got a lot faster at this over time. You're much better at judging, you know, those those criteria that you set out for yourself 
faster now than you were even probably a year ago, just because you you get used to it over time. Though I'm guessing maybe, uh, you know, the pandemic had a slight impact there on the amount of photography you were doing, because I'm guessing some <laughs> things might have got cancelled. So maybe not compared yes. to a year ago, but, you know, say three years ago, um, you know, you're probably, you know, being able to make these decisions much faster, which I think is, you know, a kind of automation in and of itself. You've hacked your brain basically to to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, um, I've become a better photographer. Uh, so I I'm not shooting and spraying like they a lot of times they will say, um, you know, just clicking the thing. I'm very, very like specific about the images that I'm taking. Um, so especially Towards the end of the season, um, I've seen most of these dances. Um, so I know the big moments that come in. I know the bits of the specific dancer will do something cool. So I know that I can wait and be ready to take that shot. Mm-hmm. And so that means that there's going to be less uh, awkward images before and after because I hit the the leap at the right time type right. of a, a thing. So over the years, I have definitely become a better photographer. And in exchange, that has also made this process significantly easier. I was going to say, do you get to watch rehearsals of this so that you can almost rehearse your <laughs> photography? And obviously the answer is yes, which I think is uh, something else, which, you know, a lot of times uh, we forget about with automation in general, being able to see how an entire process goes so that you can figure out where where the moment is to, in your case, take the photo. Or, you know, for me, it might be implement a script, you know, that, you know, that is a key part. So. And can I just clarify, when you go through them and you figure out a keeper, what are you doing to market as a keeper? And what do you do with the ones that are not keepers? Yeah, so um, in Lightroom, the keystroke P will flag it. Um, and then when after I've done reviewing it, I set the filter to only show the flagged images. And so anything that's not a keeper, I don't touch there's no special flag. There's no, you know, oh, I'll turn, you know, tag these all green. If I don't want it, I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to spend any time with it. I don't need to deal with it at all. Um, and it just lives in the raw format in the folder um, to keep for pretty much ever eventually. So as I cycle, okay, let me take a step back. Um, each of my images, like groups of images, each session or whatever lives in a specific folder. That folder while I'm working on it is in the working sessions. And then when it's done, it moves to a year folder. So I can easily find anything from the back the past 13 years or whatever that I've been taking photos. Um, Usually at the end of the year, I will go in and compress the raw file folder of images from the year before. Okay. Because I will usually want to access stuff for the current year, but stuff that's two years ago, I won't necessarily need. So I will compress the files and then delete the raw. So I have just a zipped file of all of the raw files available there. So eventually it will kind of get you know, discarded in that sense, but I never really delete anything 
probably should, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, one uh, bit of automation I would recommend there is considering Hazel as a mechanism to put those folders where they belong. Like you could tag a folder as working and it would hold it in a working space. And then as soon as you're done with it, you could tag it as done or something like that. And it would automatically move it into a folder by year. Hazel has a really cool feature where it can move it into a subfolder automatically and you can do it by year. Okay, that's very cool. I've heard um, about Hazel a couple times now. And so I think this is just a sign that I need to uh, set up some time with Rose to come and screen share with me and tell me what to do. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I can really definitely do that. Yeah. And uh, the, the other thing that Hazel can do, which might be useful for you here, because I'm guessing a lot of dance competitions probably happen in the same month um as well and so you'll know yeah. you know what month something was in if you have lots of dance competitions in a year you're going to have a lot of folders in that year you can also use hazel's uh sort into subfolders to sort it into a folder based on the year and then another folder inside of that based on the month um so that say then you just have you know may's dance competitions from 2021 and they all end up in one folder and that's just magically done for you but only when you finish working on it um and you you've yeah. done you've done your thing yeah, that sounds really great because I've been very hesitant to do a lot of um, automation in this, mainly because I don't understand it super well. But then turning around and I don't want something to get moved that I'm not done with because then I have to try and find it. And or it messes up my to do list because it's not in the working sessions folder anymore. So I don't know that it needs to be worked on. Um, so that's really, really wonderful. Uh, and I'm We'll start exploring that for sure. A lot of people want to use Hazel with um, automatic trigger. So automation usually is two steps. There's something that triggers it, and then it does an action. And Hazel will do triggers based on the contents of a file. So like if you get a PDF document and it says, you know, Oregon Electric in it, and so that's your electric bill, you know it. Looking at the contents alone, Hazel could rename it and put it in the file or the folder where you keep your electric bills. So that's cool that it works automatically. But don't underestimate with Hazel the ability to use a tag as a trigger because those are rock solid because you manually apply the tag. It just takes a moment, but then it always moves it to the exact place you want it. You don't accidentally drag it to the wrong place or and it can automatically yeah. sort it into subfolders. And I, I do think a lot of people playing with Hazel, they want to make that first step, that trigger automation automatic. And a lot of times that's not necessary. Just create a simple tag-based automation and it'll do everything for you. In fact, that's how I manage all the podcast files. Once we finish recording today, I'll tag the files and it'll put it in a specific place. And then everything you know happens for the show. And um, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. In my case, I actually uh, have Keyboard Maestro pop up and, and ask me. But, you know, it's the the manual trigger, I think, is something that, you know, people don't necessarily think about. I mean, as well as adding a tag to something, um, the other option you could do is just have um, a folder, uh, not a folder action, sorry, um, a, a service that you, you use either through something like Drop Zone or you could do something with Automator um, to have something show up in Finder under the right-click menu with, under services that says, hey, move it to my Make Magic Happen folder. Um, and I say this because I have a, a, a Dropbox folder. It's not called Make Magic Happen. It's called Automated Actions <laughs> uh, because Make Magic Happen gets sorted to the middle, Automated Actions gets sorted to the top. So 
there you go. Alphabetical yeah. pro tip there. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I put stuff in that folder and that has subfolders for make this magic happen on it, basically. Um, and then, you know, sometimes stuff gets added via Zapier or or something like something else. Uh, but other times it's me manually going, yeah, I'm just going to throw this in here. And then and then Hazel does the magic on it and it ends up in the right place. And that's it. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, I think manual triggers for automations are something which everybody should look at. And honestly, that's probably if you're, especially when you're getting started with this stuff, it's where you should start because that way you can sit there and you can watch it do the thing and then you can go, okay, that did the thing right. Or, oh, that didn't do the thing right. What happened there? And figure it out. Um, and especially if you're concerned about losing things, which, you know, I understand yeah. you don't, you can't exactly go back and reshoot a dance competition. Um, I mean, Hazel's not going to trash things without asking, without you explicitly setting that up. Sorry. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's nice to to know what's happening. And also the preview, preview rule tip in Hazel specifically is uh, excellent because then you can see exactly which parts of the trigger it matches um, and go through things. And, and since we're on Lillian Hazel, one more tip. Uh, the, the reason I like the tag based for someone is it's 100% reliable. You know, you put a tag on, that's something you do manually, so it always works. But if you want to get fancy with the automatic filing stuff, you can have the trigger condition be basically an or statement or what they call any. So any if any of the following things happen, then move the 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 folder so one of them could be a tag apply but another one could be something automatic like it has the word oregon electric in it so um you have the the automatic trigger in there that hopefully triggers but sometimes the ocr didn't go right or for whatever reason the rule didn't fire and you see it there then all you have to do is add a tag and then it'll it'll satisfy the other condition uh, the point I'm making is a trigger can be one of many conditions if you do it right. So that's kind of a fun trick. That's really cool. Yeah, I would highly recommend uh, that for uh, people who are yet to uh, get started. And of course, the the other beauty with Hazel is, you know, you apply rules to a folder. So you could have a, a folder for bills um, where you just dump all of the PDFs of your bills and then stuff magically happens to them, but your photos never go into that folder and the rules in that folder never apply to your photos. You know, it's it's don't cross the streams, um, you know, but with folders. Wonderful. Kathy's like, what are these people talking about? I just came on to discuss my photos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, see, this is what I mean. I want other people to do the work for me. So I don't have to think or like sit and research, how do I do this? Because my time is better spent on other things. And that is the beauty of automation. There's always going to be somebody out there who can give you a pointer in the right direction that says, hey, like this is how this is how you should do things. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's that's what the automation community is all about. They're a bunch of very, very nice people. Um, and uh, if you ask somebody for help, you'll probably get about 10 people queuing up all with their own opinion. And then you have to sit and decide which one, um, which, of course, <laughs> you know, <laughs> takes a while. But it's nice to get uh, a bunch of different options. And I'm sure there's going to be some people in our forums going, hey, did you know you can do this with Lightroom? Um, and the answer to that will be, I didn't know I could do that with Lightroom because I don't really use Lightroom all that much. I have it. Um, but that's because I, I got it with Photoshop. Uh, that's the <laughs> Adobe Creative Cloud deal. <laughs> Um, right, but uh, you know, I, I I personally don't use Lightroom, so I'm definitely out of out of uh, my depth there. But Hazel, Hazel, I use, and Hazel, I can help you with. 
Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Once you learn Hazel, it's like that becomes the world's biggest hammer and everything is a nail. <laughs> but but also just uh, to your earlier point, Kathy, where you said, well, I don't, you know, get into the weeds on this stuff. I, you know, I use other people's work. A lot of automators do that. I mean, myself included. I mean, almost every Apple script I've ever written started with somebody else's Apple script. Um, very few have been written from scratch. So it's okay, you know, and I think that's kind of embraced in the community. That's why there's all these websites like, you know, automators.fm where you can go in and talk to other people and say, hey, how did you scratch that itch, you know, and somebody has a cool solution. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by SyncUp a OneDrive podcast that takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive. It's always great when you can find a new podcast that can teach you about something technology. And if you use OneDrive, you need to check out SyncUp, the OneDrive podcast. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, SyncUp takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect files, share your documents, and work from anywhere. And you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too. Each show covers a dedicated topic, along with guest interviews, news and announcements, plus a special topic outside of the technology norm. Topics include things like external sharing with OneDrive, automation, which of course is one of our favorites here on the Automators podcast, and data security, which is also super important and one of the great features of OneDrive that it really takes data security so seriously. In the most recent episode of OneDrive, they had one of the program managers for OneDrive on to talk about this new feature, OneDrive Sync Admin Reports that empower IT administrators with actionable insights about the adoption and health of the Sync client. Sync Reports allow you to know exactly what happened with your stuff, and it's a great feature that's been recently added to OneDrive. Why not get all the details from one of the program managers? So go and listen to it now. Just search for Sync Up wherever you get your podcasts. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P. Or just click the link in the show notes and check it out. Our thanks to Sync Up and Microsoft for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. All right, so you've picked your favorites. You've got the, the best dance images there are. What do you do next? So after I export out of Lightroom... I then, so the, the images are now very boring is the wrong word, but they don't necessarily have my particular style. Um, I have, uh, several, uh, Photoshop actions that I have developed over the years, again, based off of other people's images, uh, and actions that they have created. I then have gone in and tweaked everything and made it exactly particular to how I like it. Um, and instead of opening each image and applying those actions and then saving it into the edited file and moving on to the next one, that clearly is not very doable with about a thousand to 3,000 images because I I usually will have about half of the photos that I've taken are keepers. So in order to process this, I use the automation uh, pieces that are built into Photoshop. So in Photoshop, there's a thing called automate and then batch. And I created an action that runs my 
like particular looking actions, the coloring and 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 whatnot. And then I it also has a resize uh, the images so that they're not the five thousand pixels because nobody needs that. And it loads and places a watermark on the smaller images. Um, this watermark is specifically customized for each event so that my dance parents will know that this really cool leap was taken at the extreme dance competition on this date uh, for this year, for a very particular year. Again, I don't want to sit here, file, load, image, place an image, etc. So my action that I created will pull active watermark. And the active watermark is the watermark that I have customized and resized and saved so that it has the particular competition on it. And so I have the saved version of the original file, and then I save it again as active watermark. So this is constantly changing. So it pulls the right watermark for the right competition. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in batch, I can choose the action that I want to run and I choose the source folder and then I can save those files in the edited uh, folder. And the edited folder is titled AA space edits so that it runs to the top of the folder. And I am able to click OK and it runs and I go off and I do something else. It just runs in Photoshop in the background. It will let me know if there's any errors, but I have cleaned it up so much that there are no errors. So I don't actually know how long it takes because I'm not paying attention to it and it just does what it needs to do. That sounds like a perfect automation to me. It does what it needs to do and you go off and you get a coffee or you do whatever it is that you need to do and then you come back and your computer has magically gone through and generated this whole pile of images with your custom watermark on. I love it. Yes, it's great. And it lets me get the images out within 24 hours of having taken them. I think that's another kind of automation hack as well. You've got this deadline that you've imposed upon yourself, you know, 24 hours. I mean, I'm sure if something crazy came up, you know, you, you'd be willing to let it sl- slide a little bit. But because you've got that 24 hours, you're really optimizing everything of how quickly can I get this done? And that's where the automation, you know, really serves you because you have other things that you also need to do during that time period. And so having, you know, Photoshop go through and add all these watermarks, I mean, I think I would personally go insane if I had to put the watermark on five (laughs) photos consecutively, let alone a thousand. Um, So, you know, it's smart to to deal with uh, that uh, just so that you can, you know, wander off and get a coffee or do any of the probably 80 bajillion other things that need doing. Yes, yes. There's there's lots of things to do. And <laughs> I would much rather have the machines working to do the work uh, than doing it myself. No, I, I think this is a good automation example in the sense that we all have our limits, right? Um, if you had to take three pictures every week and apply that process to them, you probably would not have automated it, right? But yes. instead, you've got hundreds or thousands. And multiple times and 
Oh, clearly that hits the automation threshold for just about anybody. It's like, I am not going to sit and do all these filters to 400 images every week. You know, that'd be like a full-time job. And yes. that's the, that's a decision all of us automators have to make is like, at what point do we hit that threshold? Yeah. And, and sometimes there's, there's images that like, I'm not perfect. So stuff is not always level. Um, and I haven't figured out a way, well, the machine learning for like, uh, auto fixing, like the horizon lines is still not great. Um, and so that's something that I've just like passed on. I don't let that mess with me, but I mm -hmm. also make sure everyone knows, Hey, if you want to print this out or do something with this other than just have it on your computer, let me know and I'll fix it. Yeah. But that's for later and only if somebody wants it, because yeah. I, I, Setting those boundaries on myself and my mental sanity uh, were way more important than yeah. making sure that the only images that go out are perfection. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll get a, a bunch of people who will probably be like, uh, yeah, actually, if you could just send me the file, uh, then I can straighten that up myself because pretty much everybody has a program on their computer that can straighten images, you know, where they can manually slide it around or they'd be happy yes. with whatever machine learning there is. But uh, by by deferring that work until it's actually required, that's a, a productivity uh, trick there. You know, don't don't do things that aren't actually needed. Um, yes. Because a lot of the time people will be just fine with it as it is. You know, they're just going to save it on their phone anyway. Um, right. So they can show everybody else how well their precious darling is doing in dance. And I'm sure <laughs> all of them are doing very well because, you know, they're in competitions. So that is exactly. Great. So yeah, they've uh, yeah. all worked really hard. I'm very proud. I also think, though, that that is something that you could bring the Rosemary Orchard automation service to bear for you. Um, <laughs> just like you could automate a process where, like, you email the full-size image or put it in a shared folder um, very easily. So that that may be next level for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I will uh, send out a request to that agency uh, and hopefully – Fingers crossed she'll reply to me. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, you know, uh, we, we still need to make sure that I get some time to sit down with you in your stream deck because uh, I know you've been playing with that. And you yes. mentioned it before. Are you using the stream deck with um, your, your photography uh, workflow at all? Or are you still using keyboard and mouse for that pretty much? Yeah, I'm still using keyboard and mouse for that, mainly because, partially because, again, I haven't had the time slash energy to sit and think about what I could use it for. Um, but also it's so easy to just click, click, click that and, and making sure that it, things go from the right fo folder to the right folder, et cetera. I'm sure there probably is a way. Um, but yeah, I haven't, uh, had a chance to go through and, and tinker it together. One thing you could do with the keyboard maestro, and I know you're already doing this on your your Mac keyboard, but this is kind of an interesting thing. Like I process email often. I'm sorry, not keyboard maestro on the Stream Deck, but I process um, email with the Stream Deck, where I've I've set buttons to like move to certain folders or archive or delete. And since I have three primary accounts, I've got the personal Mac Sparking the legal. I've got these buttons set up, so I've got like a little like quick entry board on the stream deck 
One of the buttons I use, and people may not think of this, is I've just put arrow keys on the stream deck and it's just pressing the down arrow or the up arrow so you can navigate quickly. Like I could see you going through when you do your initial review of your photos with a stream deck, you could, you know, put the navigation keys, the P key, you know, and whatever other keys you use, and you can zip through them using the stream deck. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Or would it be possible you could combine the P and the arrow key as well so that yeah. flagging it would take you to the next photo. And so yeah. then you just have two buttons. And so you press either the flag and next or next. And that's okay. it. Okay. Uh, and then it does thank you. Next. Um, thank so, you. Uh, next. There we go. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to double check right now here live on air um, because um, there's – so I think if you're doing this natively in the Stream Deck software – your P and next action um, or button is going to be a multi-action. Um, and then inside of that, you you have two hotkeys, one where you do uh, P um, and then one where you do do the um, the, the the next. Um, so you just press P. Yeah. And then you you add another right hotkey for, yeah. for right arrow. Uh, yeah. There we go. And so that's a multi-action. And then the other one can just be a right arrow. Um, and then you can get fancy because I know you're good at this stuff and make them into really pretty icons. Uh, yes. I am very lazy and I just use um, uh, Stephen Millard's excellent uh, Stream Deck um, uh, icon generation with shortcuts. Um, so, you know, that works for me. Um, and actually, I have a back button in the bottom right hand corner of uh, all of my Stream Deck profiles, which takes me back to my main action. But there we go. So we, we've we've officially helped you live on air. Um, I, so everybody I'm can so always happy. improve. <laughs> yeah. And then you can ha add another button that, you know, every time you press it, your computer just says something like, kabam, you know, just to make you feel good. <laughs> well, this was a little discussion we were having before the show. What do unicorns sound like? Because if you could have, like, it make a, a unicorn sound when it finishes doing your automation uh, for, for watermarking, that would be amazing. But what would the unicorn sound like? sparkles mm, that's a good one good answer I, i'm going deeper down this because now as i think about it you could also apply a tag with the stream deck so you you press a button to apply the tag and then haze haze on the background auto files it we're gonna automate you kathy i love it we're gonna get this i'm here for it yes especially because as uh covid starts to recede we will have more competitions and i'm very excited yes this is both a great thing because it means that avi's going to get to participate in more things but it's also more work for you um yeah so, <laughs> so uh, let, let's temper the excitement of yay more competitions with and more automations to make the more work not as much more work <laughs> as it could be as we're saying, yes. thinking this through, Rose, now let's think about the next step where she goes into Photoshop and applies the filter. I don't know that that really needs a stream deck because that's you do it once manually and then you apply to all, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot to do there with a stream deck. Yeah, it, because it, I am selecting the the folder to pull it from and selecting the folder to send it to, and then it's done. So it usually takes... 10 seconds. Are you using default folder X at all to help with this? I don't know what that is. So oh, that would be okay. a no. 
So uh, default folder X is a is a very useful tool for automation on Mac OS in that basically it allows you to set default save folders for applications. But one of the other things it does, which is honestly pretty much what I use it for about 98% of the time, is when you get that open file dialog um, or one of these select a folder dialogs, then you can mouse over any open finder window and click on it. And it just selects that for you. Hmm. And so both of those options might potentially be useful for you there, because I'm guessing you probably, you know, have the folders open in Finder anyway at some point. Um, So if you use something like Moom to rearrange them on your screen, and then you can just click, click, done. And and the magic happens. Although it um, will have the default in that working sessions already. Yeah. So changing uh, like whatever the active window is may end up being more work than Possibly. clicking through. But that's something to look at for yeah. sure. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a worthy application for automation in that it, it does a very small amount of things and it does them very well. And uh, as, as we all know, automation tools, uh, th- there are the big ones like Keyboard Maestro that can do 8,000 things and are amazing at them. And then there's the little ones like Moom or um, Default Folder X, which do one thing, but they do it really well. Um, and uh, that's, you know, both all of those tools are wor- worthy of this. So. I don't think we've ever covered default folder X on this show and um, additional automation things you can do that, that like Kathy, you would find very useful is every time you save a file, it just gives you additional options. Like you can have a list of favorite folders and the recent folders you've been working in. And just, it just takes a lot of tedium out of saving files and you can apply tags right there. I mean, I know you can also do that in the, the default save dialog box, but it does a does a real good job. Another thing I like about default folder X is it's been around forever. I mean, the reason it's called default folder X, I believe it was on um, Mac. It was on Mac OS before there was Mac OS ten, and I think it, I mean it, I can't remember if it came from Next or it came from prior. I think it came from prior Mac OS, and um, they've just done a great job of of keeping it up and. And modernize it. The UI looks completely current. It looks like a, a an app that was designed a week ago. If you look at the UI, they they haven't mm-hmm. just like stuck around. And uh, but but even just I find it very useful when I'm saving and working with a lot of documents. And when I think about your client work, for instance, you could have a lot of your client folders saved as favorite folders. So every time you want to mm-hmm. save something to a client folder, mm. you could just click a favorite and instead of having to drill through your file system to get to it. Yeah, it also has uh, recent folders as an option. And uh, uh, for people looking at the show notes, there's two links to default folder X there. One of them is on the St. Clair software website. The other one is in setup. So if you already pay for setup, you get it free. Um, So, uh, you know, it's worth giving it a try if you can get it for free, right? This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Forward Networks. Go to forwardnetworks.com slash automators and learn all about their network modeling software and request a demo today. Forward Networks reduces business risk by revolutionizing the way large networks are managed. How? Well, their advanced software delivers a digital twin of the network, which is a completely accurate mathematical model and software. 
The model serves as a single source of truth for the network, so users can verify that the network is configured correctly, is in compliance with policies, and is behaving exactly as they intended. Forward Enterprise can accurately predict the impact of a proposed change across every possible traffic path, so network operators can roll out changes with confidence, all while the network stays secure and reliable. It really is an invaluable tool for your company. Fortune 500 companies and large public sector organizations are turning to mathematical models of the network. Forward networks have customers such as PayPal, Verizon, and Goldman Sachs, along with several large governmental agencies. It was founded in 2013 by four standard PhD graduates who felt empathy for network operators and know security's top of mind for IT professionals and business leaders and sought to apply principles of modern software development to the network. You can request a demo today at forwardnetworks.com slash automators. That's forwardnetworks.com slash automators. Go there now, check it out, forwardnetworks.com slash automators. Our thanks to Forward Networks for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. So, Kathy, I'm guessing while you're doing these things, you're not going to be sitting in silence. Um, and I, I may or may not have already looked at the show notes, um, you know, preparing for the podcast. And I know that you have uh, some magic uh, to deal with music playlists. So, you know, other than sitting there in silence, there's there's options like music. Uh, you know, how, how do you do this? What, what, what magic do you have for music? Yeah, so... This is specifically for when I'm out and about or uh, walking the dog or taking a shower and I have my phone with me. Um, I listen to music very specifically in that I will usually make playlists out of albums um, so that I can not listen to if there's any songs in an album that I don't want to listen to. Uh, I don't have to have it in the playlist. Um, or if I want to listen to, say, both of Taylor Swift's Folklore and Evermore albums together, uh, I have a playlist with that. Um, and I was very disappointed and still am with the, the Apple Music widget items. I want, like, recent stuff to be playlist and they but they don't have that as an option you have like specific albums but not the playlists to choose from and so I was really really angry because it would keep showing like my the Christmas album I listened to and it's February and I'm like this is not this is not what I want um and so I created my very first shortcut uh, and I'm very proud of myself. Um, and Matthew Casanelli was very proud of me too. And that's really what matters. Um, but basically I have icons on my screen that show, uh, like an image from either music video or album or something, um, for four specific items. The one that we use most often is the Hamilton soundtrack. And it is on shuffle as well, uh, because when Avi and I are in the car, that is what we are listening to. Uh, and it's always entertaining and fun to see what shuffle options are around. But instead of having to ask Siri to play this playlist on shuffle, we can just tap the picture on the home screen and poof, 
it's magic. I love that. So have you have you got CarPlay or Bluetooth or something in your car where you could connect that to an automation so that when you pop when you get in your car, it will just automatically do that for you? Um, or is that maybe not an option yet? Um, yes, I have a Bluetooth um, uh, connection thing in my car because the only Bluetooth that it has is for a phone because um, it's a, mm-hmm. an older vehicle. Um, but uh, I don't necessarily want an automation in that because it's going to be different depending on why I'm going, especially because we don't go a lot of places. We don't go a lot, do a lot of things. Um, So it's a 50, 50 chance on whether I want to listen to a podcast that I'm playing or the music with Avi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, the Bluetooth automation. So I'm using this in my car as well. And I've got, um, I've got, I've got a cable in my car uh, for this, so it's actually it plugs in it plugs into uh, the the charger that I put into the cigarette lighter. My car is ten years old, people. It's okay, um, and then plugs from there into the aux port. Um, and so this this means that when I turn the car on, then theoretically the Bluetooth turns on. However, when you turn the car on, that turns on the electrics, including this charger um, and the or the Bluetooth adapter, and then. Um, when I actually turn on the engine, it briefly turns off the electrics and then turns everything back on again. Uh, so I get two pop-ups on my phone for the Bluetooth um, notification there um, to say, would you like to run your automation, which drives me more than a little bit insane. Um, <laughs> but uh, it means that I get two opportunities to hit the button uh, and run my my car automation. And I, like you, I, I might listen to different things in the car. So I have it show me a menu um, of mm. things so that then I can just go, yeah, this one or that one. Um, I actually also have another one which says nothing. Um, and then the X is the shortcut um, because it, it does a couple of other things as well um, after choosing the music. And so me tapping away from the menu will then make the rest of the shortcut not run. And that's the bit that automatically sends a message to my parents if I'm going to be driving there or something like that. So uh, I like to uh, make sure that that actually runs because otherwise I turn up at my parents' place and they go, huh, we didn't know you were coming. <laughs> it's like thanks lovely to see you too it's always good to feel welcome no it's, uh, my parents always like seeing me but uh, i like to give them a heads up just so they've got 10 minutes notice um that, right you know i'm turning up because uh, having somebody turn up on your doorstep unexpectedly can be nice uh but having it happen repeatedly can be uh, slightly aggravating so i make sure to uh give them a heads up there um, and uh, <laughs> I do this with the automation because Bluetooth automations can- from shortcuts cannot run entirely automatically when you connect to a Bluetooth device. The best it can do is show you a notification on your home screen to run something. Um, but then, you know, if you're going to tap your home screen anyway, then you can give yourself a menu and uh, tap your home screen twice. Love it. So, so, Kathy, as someone who doesn't spend a lot of time in shortcuts, how did you find the experience of creating your own shortcut? Did, did you use somebody else's or did you, you build it from scratch? I actually built it from scratch, right. um, which I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> um, but it was fairly easy because I, it's it doesn't do a whole lot. Um, so being able to go in and say, you know, play. So I picked the music to play and then you choose the playlist and done. And then the the most complicated part was adding it to the home screen because I had to pick the per- perfect picture for it on the home screen. Um, but other than that, pretty easy, uh, nice and simple. Um, th- use shortcuts. It's great. 
Okay, <laughs> most important automation question of this entire show. All right. Yes. What is your favorite Hamilton track? Oh gosh, that is so rude. How dare you, sir? Uh, because there's no such thing as a favorite Hamilton track. Um, we really enjoy singing along to Aaron Burser. Um, and also, uh, satisfied. And then of course, any of King George is of course just delightful, but because we've listened to it so many times, um, we sing full volume to every song that's playing. So all of them is my final answer. I, I was just listening to it over the weekend. The reason I ask, and man, I really like Farmer Refuted. I know it's just a little like side little ditty in the <laughs> musical, but I just love the way that song is structured. It's so fun. It's just, yeah, that's one of the best, the best ones. I'm guessing now is not a good time to tell t- the two of you that I've still not had a chance to actually watch it on Disney Plus. So I think I'm probably going to be given homework now to do that. I, aren't I literally drug you to the live performance of Hamilton. You did, so, and I loved it. It was yeah. great. Uh, I saw it in Chicago, I think, with you. Um, I say with you. Uh, it was one of those things where I got a last minute seat, and you also had a last minute seat. Um, and so we were sitting in two completely different places. But, you know, we were in the same audience. It was all good. That's so fun. All right. I want to talk to you, Kathy. We talked earlier about uh, the the monster unicorn that is so on it. And <laughs> I know one of the things you do is text automation. And um, primarily text expander, I believe. Yes, yeah. that's correct. And they might be a sponsor of the show. I'm not really clear yet. I think Smile is sponsoring. I don't know what product they're sponsoring. But this is has nothing to do with that. But I, I would like to hear how you're using it to uh, to get your work done. Yeah, so this is the perfect time for it because I don't know if you know, um, but we are in the middle of tax season here in the United States. Uh, Today is tax day uh, as we're recording this. Um, And one of my clients is a CPA. And so I, a lot of the work that I do for them is um, client facing. So the client communications are a big part of what I manage. Um, I just ran my report for the last month for uh, Text Expander, um, and I saved ten hours and fifteen minutes in the last month. That's crazy! That's a working um, day and a quarter. That is yeah, yeah incredible. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm using this to populate the messages that says, "Hey." We're done with your return. This is how much you owe, or this is how much your refund is. And these are the next steps we need from you. Um, We always have to get a signature, of course, um, from them. And so this letter that gets populated is in that signature form uh, sent through the DocuSign. Um, So it tells them where they can send their money uh, to pay, or if they want us to debit it, they can let us know. Um, here's what you owe for estimated taxes or not. And, and all of that is just automatically input. Um, years ago, I used to copy it from, I had Evernote documents that I would click over command a command S or uh, not command S (laughs) command C, then go back over command V and like copy and paste it from there. And it's so much easier to just type the letters uh, that I need to do it for. But this also, I am 
like the files that I'm sending get uh, downloaded from the software that we use and the naming is very generic. So I have to uh, change the name so that it's very specific to what this uh, particular document is. Um, I also utilize it for uh, anytime somebody says, hey, I want, uh, I'm interested in your tax services. I have a text expander that uh, tells them what we're all about and where to sign up for an intro call, et cetera. Um, So it's so helpful for every piece of this um, that I I could not live without my text expander snippets. How are you renaming files? Sorry, that that was the little bit that caught my attention there. You know, you said, you know, the software gives you very generic file names. And I have to admit, generic file names are the bane of my existence, especially (laughs) for documents where, for whatever reason, the content just doesn't get, you know, parsed by Spotlight. And so therefore, it's not searchable. so how are you renaming documents right now? Yeah. So when the file the file comes down and it's just saved um, with their name. Um, right. So it's, you know, smith, john, dot PDF. Um, so I have a text expander snippet that adds a space, line, space, and then 2020 return. So I click into the file name and hit the text expander so it fills it out fully. Um, And then we have the signature page that's also saved. And so I copy the name that I just text expanded that has the full name and 2020 return, and I save it into the other file. And then I have a second text expander snippet that just says signatures. And so I highlight the word return and do the text expander snippet so that it changes return to signatures. And so I now have two files that are named exactly what I needed to name it so that I can upload it to the client vault. Not to bash on text expander here because that that's not what I'm doing. But I wonder if maybe you might be slightly more efficient with any an automator droplet for this. Uh, because then you could just drag and drop the file onto um, a thing and it would say, hey, so this is now called 2020 returns uh, or 2021 returns or whatever it is. Um, and then you you drag the next file onto the next one um, and um, it, it you takes maybe what's on your clipboard um, and then replaces the text and then renames the file to that. Um, just wondering. I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, of course, yeah. you know I may I may be uh, going totally off piste, but I'm I'm just uh, thinking how how can I potentially optimize the unicorn's workflow? And that is one of the things that I would be exploring for that uh, for sure. Uh, of course, Hazel could definitely do this as well. It could say, hey, you know, any file that was downloaded from uh, this website. Um, you know, rename it like this. Maybe you would want to uh, use the tag trick again, uh, which says, you know, maybe just have a tag which says, uh, Hazel, make magic happen um, or something. And then you can tag files that appear in in whatever folder with that. And then it looks for specific folders and then looks for anything with that tag so that it knows what to do. Because, of course, it can look at the contents of the file. And this is all done locally on your machine. So you don't need to worry about, you know, data being leaked across the Internet, uh, which is, you know, related to client files. Right, right. The one concerning thing I have with that is the difference of like volume, because um, uh, there's some days that I'll be doing, you know, 30 
returns and how I don't know how that would interact with Hazel and like if I'm sitting and I'm doing, you know, a period of time for like multiple, I, I would, I have no doubt that it would work. Yeah. It just is very concerning. <laughs> Yes, you, you, it's one of those things where if you automate it incorrectly, you're going to be worried about, you know, it, stuff is going to go wrong and it could go potentially very wrong. And you could have, um, you know, John Smith's information attached to Jane Doe's signature form or something like that. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but sending somebody the wrong tax documents. I'm, I'm going to assume it's a bad thing. Uh, that a very you, you bad thing. You don't want to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That that is always the thing, which is why I would probably personally be looking at something like the automated droplet uh, for this, because then you drag, you know, your files onto that, and it looks at that information, and you know, and and then it does those two files. So it does John Smith's files, um, and you've seen them before you did the dragging, so you know that they're right. John Smith's files, and then you do Jane Doe's files and repeat and so on. So you know, you're still potentially going to be handling, say, fifteen people. Um, but then you you just throw two files at it and it goes boop and and here here's the renamed files for you. Um, yes, which would be I will uh, more manageable. add that to the list of uh, things to discuss with the Rose Agency. <laughs> well, it's okay. You're giving me homework too. I have to watch Hamilton on Disney Plus now. <laughs> oh, you poor thing! I know it's so tragic. I'm very upset. <laughs> One thing you talked about, Kathy, that uh, struck my. Um, that made me curious is the idea of copying and pasting and this removes that are, are you using the, um, the paste buffer field in Texas matter using a clipboard? That's a no, because I don't know what that is. <laughs> sure. Like one of the things you can do with text expander, and I think this might be helpful for you is um, you can take the contents of the clipboard and paste them into a snippet as an example. Like I have, um, uh, one of my clients deals with a lot of government contracts and I have to send out these um, legal documents related to those. And the numbers are really long and I don't ever want to get one of them wrong. So um, what I did is I made a text expander snippet and it, as part of the text expander snippet, if you look up in the toolbar in text expander, you can paste the contents of the clipboard. So then before I use the snippet, I just go to the source document and I copy the contract number, and then I go ahead and put this, put the snippet in my document, and it pastes the content. So I don't have to copy and paste into the snippet. If that makes sense, kind of makes sense. Um, make a note of that, Rose, to review <laughs> <laughs> visually. Absolutely. All I'm Absolutely. saying is that the snippet can automatically hit Command V for you. Is really what it's doing. So, like, you can have, you know, in my case, it's a government contract number, and then I put a little token in the snippet that the Texas Matter has that hits Command V and pastes whatever is in the buffer, and then finishes the snippet. And I find that very useful. Another oh, one, okay. another one that I use with Text Expander for sending emails out to clients. It sounds like you're doing that is you can hard code the tab key into the snippet. So you could make a snippet that you trigger in the subject line. So it could fill in the subject line of the email and then hit the tab key. And then every email client, what does the tab key do? 
Goes to the next field. Jumps to the the body. Jumps to the body. So if you trigger the snippet in the subject line, it fills in the subject line and hits the tab key and then does the rest of the email for you. So you don't have to do two snippets. That's very cool. The other thing that you could do, I'm guessing you've written 2020 or 2021, uh, the correct year in in your snippets. Uh, the other thing you can do, of course, is uh, Text Expander has date um, snippets where you can just have it input um, the year, either the current year, or you could calculate back to the previous year. Uh, which means that you know next year your snippets will be exactly the same. You don't need to go in and change them, but it'll just you know have the right year magically. Um, and I have to say, date snippets are one of the things I do love using with Text Expander. It works incredibly well for that. I love uh, specifically the the current dates. Um, a, a few other projects I I do. I have like if I'm sending money to somebody, and I have a spreadsheet that has the 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 amount that I have to do, and then there's the date sent field. Being able to just put in, you know, the snippet that I have for the number date. And then I have for another spreadsheet, like when I'm sending out invoices, um, it's the longer version. So it has the word date in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just mentally those little snippets. So so I don't even have to think about the date anymore, which is really great because what is time? Nobody knows what time is anymore. No, especially, isn't it like March sometime? I I don't even know anymore. I'm so confused. Yeah. It's always March. Yeah, it's always it's been March. March for well over a year now, and I'm I, I'm fine with that mostly. Yes, <laughs> it's been March so long that it was March again, and now it's March no longer. Ugh. yeah, that's it's heartbreaking, is what that is. <laughs> yes, but the good news is, is the world is improving, and our automations are improving along with it. So, uh, I'm hoping that uh, I I've certainly g- stolen a couple of ideas from you so far, Kathy. Uh, I've got quite oh, a few wonderful. things, um, and I've also got many ideas running around in my brain. I mean, it's there. It's kind of like a cheerleading squad. They're all competing to get to the top of the pyramid. Um, so uh, <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that uh, at least one of those is going to make it, and then I can go. Oh, that's what Kathy needs, and I can send it to you. I love it. I'm so excited. So excited. I do feel like, Kathy, though, you, you know, you've you figured out text expander. And I think that's kind of the gateway drug of all this. And then the next step after that is Hazel. I feel like with all the file work you do, if you spend a couple hours learning how Hazel works, um, it will change your game. It will change your game. Yeah, I'm I'm really, I'm really excited uh, to see how it can make me even more magical. There you go. Unicorns all use Hazel, so you need to get on that train. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. I, I uh, clearly, I'm not going to search for it now because I have a clicky keyboard that will make poor Jim have to edit things out, and I don't want to do that. But it's on the list. As soon as I tackle the seven Slack messages, the 21 emails, the four uh, text messages, and the three Facebook Messenger messages, too. <laughs> All right. So, Kathy, where do people find you on the Internet? Yeah, you can find me uh, any social media. You will find me at Mrs. Soup. Um, You can also go to KathyCampbell.com, which will take you out to links to all of the podcasts and businesses that I do. Or if you need more unicorn magic in your life for your specific business, uh, you can find me at TheUnicornSidekick.com. Let me tell you about another show on Relay FM. 
Rocket. If you like automators, there's a good chance you'll like Rocket as well. Rocket covers all the hard tech news of the week, but in a fun way. From the latest Apple news to scams with fake blood testing companies, Rocket is there, and you can be too, at relay.fm slash rocket. Or search for Rocket wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, if you're looking for our forums, you can find those at talk.relay.fm. And of course, there'll be a link to the show notes there as well. Goodbye, everyone.